Okay, folks, welcome to this week's uh, Five Property Show. Today, we're going to be talking about smooth moves. This is eliminating the stress when selling your home. Uh, this is the most important thing that anybody would want to do because who wants to put themselves under pressure almost from day one with the fact that, you know, I've got a house to sell, but I have to buy a house at the same time. I think that's, you know, that happens quite a lot, Richard, don't doesn't it? Yeah, a, a lot of people, I mean, I mean, that's a stressful thing to do. And it's a big it's a big thing in your life when you're moving house. Now, there's a lot of different reasons why people move, but no matter what it is, it is quite a big uh, thing for them. And they tend to, obviously, it's like the Henny Penny thing. They think it's all going to come crashing down. And um, you need somebody to guide you. And that's obviously what we do. I'm still amazed at the amount of people that actually think they're going to be homeless. Yeah. When they sell their house, it's like, what if I'm homeless? And it's like, how could that that defies all logic that could never ever happen it's impossible to not have a house to go to if your estate agent manages the sale correctly and this is what i talk about about eliminating the stress yeah and what people usually do is they'll do it the other way around and they look for the place that they want to move for first before they think about selling theirs I talked about this yesterday to someone in Cellar Dyke <laughs> and the fact that it's amazing how many people actually, well, I'm not going to put my house in the market till I find the house I'm going to go to. Okay, so what do you think your 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 seller's thinking yeah. for your house that you're wanting to go to? They're sitting as well going, well, I'm not putting my house in the market till I find the house I go to. So at some point in time, we're either going to have a massive stalemate or people are going to actually work this out and put their house in the market and get on with it and actually properly manage the sale. You'll never be in a position where you don't have a house to go to if you make sure you manage the sale process correctly. And this is really what we're going to talk about today. I mean, most moves have a lot riding on them. And if you aren't actually thinking about selling, there's probably a good reason behind it, as you said, Richard. People move for circumstances, don't they? Yeah. They don't move just because they fancy it and they want to make money on their house. No, there's always unless, a driver that's, unless that's the driver in the very beginning where you buy a rundown house, you do it up, you then you move on and add value onto that, lock the equity into the next one, do the same thing again and again and again. And for some people that actually works out very, very well. Yeah. Perhaps you're moving in with a partner. There's another reason. Expanding your family. Baby doesn't, you kind of say to baby, it's like, could you wait 12 months? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, we'll find the right house first before before you arrive. No, baby's actually on a critical path timeline and it's nine months and I'm coming, whether you like it or not. Uh, it could be relocating for work, actually, um, or, or actually thinking about schools. This is a this is a big thing for a lot of people. Some people schools, actually schools like yeah. Get the right catchment area to get the right school. Um, it might be somebody downsizing, stairs aren't manageable anymore, or simply moving really to your ultimate dream home, your family. I talk about this all the time, how I never expected to be where I am for the last 18 years or 20 years. Mm -hmm. And literally, I, moved ne I, I lived next door before that for at least five or six years. So I've been here, and when I look back and I think, if you told me I was going to stay here for at least 25 years where I am just now in the area, it's like, I would have said, I doubt that very much. But it just it just passes. Time does pass quite fast. And the, these reasons and things that you've just been went through, like I say, there's a lot of different options that people have uh, and reasons why they do move. And, I mean, none of them are small events. You know, if people are if yeah. their families growing, if they're downsizing, there's a lot of things. And 
there's a lot of they're pivotal moments in people's lives and they're filled with mm -hmm. anticipation and it's, it's basically the next chapter in their life and it depends on the sale of your home so it can be a bit of an emotional time for people mm -hmm. i believe estate agents will have a unique role in this and playing to make the move more enjoyable and, and an exciting yeah. experience it'd be interesting to hear if anybody actually it would ever chalk down to moving home as enjoyable and exciting <laughs> it would be, be interesting. You know what? If anybody wants to make their own comments on this, feel free to do it. But it'd be interesting to see if you have ever, anyone listening out there, anyone tuning in right now, anyone tuning in later on, have you have ever described your home moving experience as enjoyable and exciting? Feedback um, on the experience is so important, and we obviously look for that each time just to see, obviously, because it's the only way we find out if we're doing. What we're doing is the right thing yeah. for the client. It should be enjoyable and exciting, though. Anyway, though, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be stressful. And in the spirit of that, let's look at what we can do to actually plan for that and be prepared um, yep. for what you can keep uh, to, to make sure you can keep a level head um, through every stage of selling your home. Um, I think the most important thing at the very beginning is actually putting time on your side. What's your thoughts on that, Richard? Yeah, time is always important. I mean, we speak about time quite a lot, Jim, and a lot of different aspects. And there's it's the same thing when it comes to selling your house. And I mean, far and away, the biggest source of anxiety when selling yeah. your home is feeling that your move may not happen when it needs to. And that yeah. is the biggest source of anxiety when people are selling. I think the speed of buying, buying and selling is far from an exact science. I mean, at this point in time, when you look at we've got a thousand properties on the market for sale in Fife, and you've got about 500 people listening and buying every single month, therefore mm -hmm. you've got two months worth of stock sitting there waiting to be bought. So essentially the average selling time is two months to sell a property. And then when you can take that into account with a solicitor and how long they would take for conveyancing, because that is a back and forward process. No matter how digitized and, and, and efficient the process is now, it still takes that almost quill and ink process of about at least three months, yeah. two or three months. So so when you look at it from the point of putting your house on the market, you have got anything from four to six or seven months to actually get the whole transaction through. So if you're yeah. looking to sell, if you're looking to move in in spring, um, you're you'll be you'll be lucky. You'll be lucky for anybody that's not got their house in the market now to look to move in March or April because it's going to be yeah. quite challenging. Um, you would have to rely on somebody buying your house pretty quick and agreeing to a quick entry date. And these type of buyers are few and far between now because generally most have a house to sell, haven't they? Yeah, and we said that before on the lead up to the Christmas break and things. Really, if you were looking to move in the springtime, you should have already been on the, on the market prior to Christmas. So you probably need to give yourself plenty of breathing space and it'll make it easier to make decisions more calmly and carry on with your yeah. work and your home life um, as usual. Um, just like everything else, though, the property market in Fife is prone to contradictions. Some homes fly off the shelves in days. <laughs> a biggest belief, look at Orchard House sold on social media. Orchard yeah. House, the, the two-bedroom apartment up at the top, uh, that sold 165,000 offers over. It sold on social media before it even got anywhere. So before it even got to a website. So it just shows you some will go very, very quick. And equally, other side of that is Black Reside House, which almost took a year to sell. But admittedly, one was 165,000, one was about 680,000, 700,000. Both good results, though. Definitely. Both, both, both both sellers 
were briefed and advised on the current position of the market for their type yeah. of property. Therefore, they it fell into their expectations and their timelines about for their planning. And I think that's what the key is here. It's to make you sure your plans don't hinge entirely on the prospect of good fortune. Yeah. How many times do it, you know, everybody out there tuning in, how many times are you sitting with someone and when you talk about putting your house on the market, they immediately say to you, oh, your house will fly off the shelf. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I'm laughing because I'm no laughing at them. I'm laughing with them because it's like, that's that's exactly how I grew up as well. Your house yeah. will fly off the shelf. And it's like, no, it doesn't. That's what happened with mine next door. It took ages to sell. And that was years ago. And that was that was in sort of a similar market in the, in the early 2005, 2006 period. That's kind of where that, when that was. So that took ages to sell as well. And yet it was, we put it on recently and it sold within a couple of months. And before that, it wouldn't sell at all. So we put it on, sold in a couple of months. Yet my experience with selling it before pre-credit crunch was it took a long time to sell. So I think yeah. a general guideline. The general guideline is to be ready to hit the market about six months before you want to move for some tailored advice on getting yeah. the presentation and timing right for the home and not book and not book a market appraisal online. Um, and, and so I think book the market appraisal the now. Uh, we've got a link in this post, by yeah. the way. Book the market appraisal now. Um, get the advice well in advance. So you are prepared for when the time comes. You've got all the knowledge and information and expertise at your at your at your doorstep, rather than actually fumble about at the last minute and then realise that maybe the person okay. you need to speak to has actually gone on holiday and they're away on holiday for about three or four weeks. Yeah, <laughs> all too often, <laughs> all too often we have people on the phone or coming through online or even walking into the office and things, and it's like I need to sell my property. I'm I'm moving. I need to move in x amount of weeks or x amount of days sometimes and it's it's like at the last minute you really need that time to put things in place and come up with a plan and a strategy to how to do things and like you say just give yourself that bit of time and get that tailored you've, advice to really plan things and have a strategic approach you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain in that process haven't you yeah yeah and i think so that I takes think us to, to step by step as essentially step by yeah. step do you want to talk about this richard about this process yeah i mean just like a house moves are built from the bottom up and nothing can happen without the foundations in place and it's so important and buyers are the building blocks for that plan um so if there's one piece of advice to follow make it this find the buyer for your current home before you commit to your next one it's just what i say don't yeah. look for the, the, the one that you want to buy first Get your property on the market, get your agent to helping you put that in place and find the right buyer first, then look for your place. Absolutely. I, I think it's essential. But then the, the, the key true. question comes out of this is when somebody actually says, um, when somebody actually says to themselves, I, but but if I find a buyer and I've not got a place to go, I could end up being homeless. This is where we come back to talking about this, about the fact that it's yeah. a, it's it's a myth that people actually think they're not going to have somewhere else to go. So what we're trying to do here, we're trying to manage the sale to make sure it coincides with your next property that you you that you want to buy. Um. So so the classic example is you get somebody to buy your house 
and you're they're committed to a price. We've already briefed them in the fact that they'll have to have a flexible entry date and it might be a bit longer than usual because you don't have a house yeah. to go to next. Therefore, that then lets everybody understand and gives you more time to actually find your next property. Now, I do get on occasion where somebody says, look, if they give me an offer I can't refuse, I'll just move out and move into rented accommodation. Yeah, or move in with family or they'll have another option. Yeah, that's a good one to explore in the short term, the move in with family and that. And, you know, people say, oh, God, I can't. And it's like, but but most most families are obliging. It's only for a couple of months till you find your next place. So it, and then as well, once you commit to that, remember, you've got about at least two or three months in conveyancing to actually plan all that out. It's no, you commit to it and then all of a sudden you're going to be moving next week. It's like you've got two or three months in advance to actually do anything about it. And you might actually find the dream home and it might coincide with the timeline that you're looking for. So the moving of relatives or fine rent accommodation might not need to happen at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, it's good if you've got a chain and, and it all kind of falls into place and everybody moves at the right time and all. But each individual circumstances doesn't always allow that. So you need to be prepared yeah. to be flexible. Um, whether it's your circumstances or being flexible with the other the other person's circumstances. Mm -hmm. So you're going to face stiff competition from buyers for, for the positions and the fear of losing your home, uh, losing the home you set your heart on can leave you with, with the desperation to actually sell, even in a fast market. Feeling compelled to accept the first offer is not, is, is, is the first offer is you get not only stressful, but it could also mean taking thousands off your home. Um, and is it truly worth it? So this is another thing we talk about when you put your house on the market. You, you know, you could you could you could face this stiff competition. But this is what I say to a lot of people: if you've not got anywhere else to go, and someone says to you, "I need this property that you've got within the next six weeks," you just say no, and you wait for the next person to come along to buy. It's like there, there is people out there that yeah. make decisions every single day. And Fife, for example, you know, 20 people make a decision every single day to sell a property. Uh, 18 or uh, 17 or 18 people make a decision every day in Fife to buy a property. So even though your buyer or, or your, your buyer isn't in the market right now, for people that are on the market right now, that could all change the next day or the day after. Yeah, and I think as well, if you've got an agent who's dealing with the sale of your property, if they're pushing you just to accept the first offer that comes along, then that's there's something wrong there. That that's not what they should be doing. Yeah, that's a that's a different mindset, isn't it? That's a, that's a, we need we need the commission to keep going uh, more than likely. So unfortunately, too many sellers find out the hard way. So give yourself a break and 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 get that buyer first. That's probably, I would think, the best advice to take of this. Um, and pick an agent with a plan is probably really important. Richard, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, pick a, what, I mean, everybody says, okay, we'll all say this. It's like, well, surely anybody could just sell my house. Yeah, and I think picking an agent with a plan is really important. And I think from the, from the first meeting with your agent, they should be walking into the appointment taking the lead, setting an agenda, explaining how everything works, having a methodical process, it's all so important. I mean, imagine your sale as a series of time bubbles, which uh, with each subsequent one becoming less effective, your agent needs 
is to plan to maximise the response early on and to maintain. I mean, the initial the initial first two weeks uh, on the market are usually they're usually the most active. Do you know when you put a property on the market, yeah. you'll get that initial surge of interest. It is usually the busiest. When your home appears online and portals and it's all shiny and the new listing and obviously if, you, if uh, you've got the the video tours and, and things like that, um, and obviously the initial alerts that go out. Your agent calls um, their registered buyers and things, you know, all that initial um, hype when your property first goes on with new inquiries and things coming in. You've also decluttered your property and got it all looking perfect and you tidy up and you're enthusiastic to pursue this flurry of viewings that are coming through. So you might even have a launch day. I mean, we do, obviously, we do pre portals and things as well. And yeah. that is that time and those first couple of weeks is so important. Um, so it really needs to be done properly and you really need to have an agent with a plan in place to do that. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, we're talking about the first couple of weeks, but it, it does extend now into the first four weeks more likely than likely. If yeah. not if not the first six weeks, because and this is this is where this is where there's a huge differentiator between us and someone else. I would say personally, because we're we're briefing everybody beforehand, almost like the teaser trailer. You know how the yeah. teaser trailer comes out for Star Wars, and it comes out a year before Star Wars actually comes out. So they're basically they're, this is basically a sales funnel for Star Wars. You know the basic the fact is they're going to get everybody with the teaser trailer, and they're going to be sitting waiting at the top, and they're all going to be following this now because they are now committed with seeing the trailer all the time at the fact that this is going to be coming. Mm -hmm. This is why it's so important when you do a pre-portal, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're also trying to gauge the market to see what the initial reaction is so we can get almost like, it's almost like a soft launch, if anybody understands that term. Mm -hmm. Soft launch is a, is a launch to see how the market responds initially on a, on a smaller scale um, to the proposition and offer. Um, and if there's anything untoward, then you can adapt and change for the major launch, which is on the websites. So the soft yeah. launch is a great one because it gives you a good indication about who could be interested. It also retargets people because it's a sponsorship campaign and builds the right audiences. So when the hard launch goes on the websites, which is where everybody else starts, to be honest, um, that's when we know for a fact who is actually going to be interested in your property and actually who to get through the door. So we're kind of hitting the ground running. We're, we're, what we're doing is we're shooting for the stars and we're potentially catching the moon on the way down if we yeah. don't get the stars in the first shot. Yeah. And I mean, like you mentioned there, Jim, Orchard House is a good example of how that initial um, soft launch, as you want to call it, works. Yeah. Definitely. So two weeks uh, tied up for life. Um, you know, response, people still coming um, for your property, uh, holding off. Because uh, you might have initially, you have, I had one recently, Richard, this is a, re a really good one. Somebody messaged me in and said, uh, see that two bedroom uh, flat you've got in Buckhaven, would, uh, would they consider an offer below the market value right now? And I went, well, it's only just gone on. It's like the answer to that is no, because <laughs> it's still a buoyant market. And I'll be honest, I'll buy the, I'll buy the thing myself then if that's the case. You know, so mm -hmm. so th so the answer to that is no. So there is people out there that will try and push your button straight away to try and make you accept the offer. But you need to speak to your estate agent if you get something like that. As well as I heard the other day how um, a, a couple actually went out to see them around the corner and they talked about how their agent was cut out of the equation completely when it came to the negotiation of them buying their house originally first time round. 
and and I said, and I said to them, I said to them, here's a classic example of the importance of an agent. I said, would you have paid more money for it? And he went, no, I wouldn't have paid more money. I said, well, instead of 202,000, if I'd said 205,000 to you, would you have actually accepted that? And he went, aye, I'm going, there you go then. You would have paid more money for it. <laughs> yeah. And that's how a smart agent gets the money out of the out of the buyer because they understand the dynamics of negotiation. They understand how to be strong at negotiating, how to, how to, just push it to enough to just squeeze the juice a bit more and actually get that get that few thousand pound more because after all the seller then covers their costs don't they yeah yeah definitely but um i like you said i was talking there about the initial two weeks and you said well ideally it's initial four weeks but i mean following that there is still responses coming through and people are still interested and yeah, maybe people just maybe not got around to it, like you say, Jim, and maybe they're maybe they've been away, maybe they've been tied up with life in general, and maybe yeah. some people are holding off because they're waiting on the buyer for their own place, um, and or maybe somebody who liked your home initially at the first view and has arranged maybe to come back, so you've still got that momentum running, and then that's a different category of people from the initial search if you're not already sold it in that initial period. How many times do you hear somebody saying, I'm holding off, I was holding off and not inquiring until I'd actually either arranged my mortgage or got my house, an offer on my house or anything yeah. like that. So there's people actually sitting in the sidelines, actually watching your listing right now when it's on the market and they're just waiting to pounce at the right point. So the object to the exercise of clever marketing is to just, just to get to them and inquire a bit more earlier in order to get a bit more activity on your property. Now, at this point, after about a month on the market, you'll have hopefully found a buyer, you know, or two months in the market as it as it stands just now, or or have some sort of offers coming in or notes interest coming in as well. If not, you'll have at least an, a, enough feedback to know whether the sale is likely or if you need to change tact. I had somebody contact me the other day, one of, you know, one of the most prestigious agents in St Andrews. And they said, it's like, we've had enough. We've been on the market since August. And and we've had to tell them everything to do. I was gobsmacked when I heard that. I was like, really? Are you sure? It's like, we've had to tell them everything to do. We had to change it. We tell them to change some of the photographs as well. We had to tell them to, to you know, do... We had to actually phone them, even though somebody had viewed four times. We still had to phone them every single time to ask them what's happening about this viewer. Because they've viewed four... A viewer... View, Four times? four times really four <laughs> yeah. times i don't think i've ever had a viewer do four times yeah. at four times you should have qualified them to the point that like after two it's like are you really serious in this because yeah. viewing four times is wasting everybody's time especially the sellers and so you sort of we need sort of some commitment out of you before we actually do this so they were extremely frustrated and i said look you know that's all right i did say though when i watched the video the silent movie video said it was like a funeral march <laughs> i just felt like ending it all honestly it was it was so depressing the music it was on it I, I i just thought i understand completely why that's not selling the price point was wrong in the beginning yeah. it's it's not even bordering on the two audiences um the the the, the funeral march it was with the, the music accompanying the the video walkthrough was was really depressing and, uh, and and then you just didn't have, there wasn't enough beef in it. And and they seem to think, you know, having this uh, far view, um, uh, panoramic uh, countryside scene as the initial photograph is what, what they should lead with. It's like, uh, wait a minute, I want to see the property. 
I want to. I don't want to see. I don't want to see. I, I could. I could look at the drone. The drone shot later on. You know, the aerial photograph later on. But I really want to see the actual house I'm. I'm potentially going to be buying, whether that's the back or the front, or the you know from a from a closer angle. Um, but not a big, huge countryside shot where just a wee marker saying this is where we are and we're about five miles away. And in, in, in this that's, photograph, it's like, sorry, where are you? I mean, to you and I, that's just, I mean, that just sounds crazy. I mean, the mul there's a multitude of things there. I mean, that's price point, the listing, the video, obviously not the qualifying process. I mean, there's a lot of things going wrong there. The order of the photographs. I don't think I've even done three viewings at a sale property. I think two is probably like, like I think two is probably your average. Um, if somebody's yeah. really on two, definitely. I, I can't ever see the reason why somebody would have to come back four times to look at a property. Yeah. That that means you that means there is a, there is a problem with the qualifying process with the agent yeah. and what they're doing. I would definitely say that. So at that point, you'll probably have enough feedback. Here's where a plan really becomes important, and we've just sort of explored that a wee bit before choosing to entrust anyone with the sale of your home ask each agent what they'll do after the first month if you haven't got a buyer and how will they keep you, you on track to sell and in, in, the, in the most desirable time do you know what this is the same thing i do this with lettings and I, and I encourage any landlord and things it's the same with uh, sellers challenge your agent if you're appointing an agent to sell your property or let your property or whatever challenge them with what would you do in this instance what we're going to do if we get to this point and and see if their knowledge or their expertise really comes through because if not then you really need to maybe reconsider because these are the things that you're going to probably come up against and you're not going it's to just like interviewing yeah definitely you're, you're effectively just interviewing interviewing the agent in front of you whether it's a letting agent or whether it's a selling a selling agent you yeah. you have to interview them just accepting the fact when they walk through the door and say well i sell the most properties in the area so what yeah. you've got what it's only your mum and yourself that will be interested in that it's like <laughs> what, you, you know you maybe sell the most properties in the area but but more importantly do you sell a property at my price point and how much more do you achieve more than the home report value because that's the key for a seller that is the key the only two most important things for a seller i'll point out right now is how much more than the home report are you going to achieve on average so far what have you been achieving what have been your track record and your results because that's what you'd ask in an interview if somebody was you yeah. were interviewing somebody for a job what is you know what is your track record over and above the home report and the next one is how have you managed how will you manage the sale to ensure that my entry date will coincide with the next property i buy that is probably the two most yeah. important questions you should ever ask an estate agent yeah definitely like i said i think challenge Challenge any agent who you're speaking to with these kind with these questions, and if they don't have the answers, then there's, that's a red flag. So we've got an offer. Exciting, yeah. isn't it? So what do we do when we about accepting the right offer? I mean, getting the right offer is really exciting, and you might be lucky enough to have multiple buyers um, competing against each other. So let's explore what makes a good offer. There's much more to an offer than just the money. I mean, people actually just get so focused on the money, they forget about the minor details. Okay, yeah. It would, you know, it would happen in between. Because even by focusing on the money, you might end up frustrating the sale because you don't have planning permission or the necessary permission to do for improvements or adjustments you did to the house for the time that you actually lived in it. 
and that could stop everything in its tracks because then it doesn't become it becomes it involves in their critical path where they're maybe moving to may maybe having to move by a certain time and therefore you've put a you've put a you've put a kibosh in that straight away as as a as a seller by not actually getting your your ducks in a row in the very beginning that's why it's important yeah. to get the right agent to understand what, what it is you've got to do in order to get your ducks in a row so when it does come to conveyancing you know what to do in the next process and it goes smoother and it, it to be honest it makes the solicitor's life a lot better yeah yeah and i think the important thing as well and like we spoke about that one you were uh, speaking about is the qualifying process i mean you shouldn't have somebody on your property viewing four times there's something wrong in that qualifying process and anybody who's making an offer on your home they should be able to confirm a, a lot of details and that's whether they have their property sell um do they have a buyer for that property the the details of everybody involved in the chain of the, that sale because that chain is going to be the knock-on effect that's going to affect your move um proof of funds now people could come in and say i'm a cash buyer okay how are you a cash buyer what is a cash buyer because people get confused about this. The many people that come to us and say we're a cash buyer, and they're actually not. So uh, you really yeah. need to qualify them properly there. And and as far as, as I'm Richard, as far as I'm concerned, Richard, a cash buyer is somebody that's got the cash in the bank. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you're not a cash buyer any other way. If you've got a mortgage and you've sold your house, then you've got a mortgage in principle, and you've sold your house, and it's and it's yeah. sold. In other words, it's it's sold, it's waiting to conclude. You've maybe got concluded missive, so it's waiting to conclude, and you've got a mortgage in principle for the top up. That is that is the next position, I would say. Yeah. The next position out of that, the third one down, is you've got your house sold, but you're still waiting on your mortgage in principle. But you've not got concluded missives. The next one down for that is you've got your house on the market. And the next one down for that, yeah. the very bottom of the run, is you've not even got your house on the market and you have not even planned anything. But look how many people want to actually wait put their house on the market and then they want the same circumstances about the fact that they've not got their house on the market and they want to go and make an offer on a house that they want somebody else to accept and it's like but wait a minute you you wouldn't accept that type of buyer and you're you're emulating that buyer as well so why would yeah. you why would you expect anybody else to accept your offer if you're not in that position as well I, i'm amazed that the amount of people actually just don't understand that and don't get it and don't see it until you point it out a lot of people are in that same mindset and that's where you see if, if everybody's thinking the same or, and they don't have an agent who's advising them the right way to approach it that's yeah. where they end up with a stalemate yeah definitely so so make sure make sure um, all these different criteria are qualified and um, even when you get an offer from your um, from your estate agent if you get an offer and they say i've got an offer of 200 or 205,000 for your property um and what do you think the first things you should be saying as a seller is well, what's the circumstances behind the behind them? You know, what yeah. what have they got? And this is that is the question you should ask. Like what you said there, Richard, have they actually got another property to sell? Um, and or or if they're on the market just now, have they actually got a buyer for for the property yet? Or, um, if they have got the property sold, who is what what is their buyer circumstances? Yeah. So and and we found this. I found this out the hard way. I had an agent. Um, actually. I took this property off an agent in Largo Ward, I think it was. Yeah, Largo Ward, yeah, yeah. So it was Largo Ward, I took the, I mean, the, 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 they wanted to come with me in the first place. Unfortunately, the other set of the family down south um, didn't know me at all, didn't know my proposition, didn't know what I was doing. Um, and, and so they actually just thought every stage is the same. So they went for cheapest chips. 
So they chose cheapest chips as a result. And, you know, my my seller was actually quite fuming about it, but he had no choice but to go with the rest of his family for that reason. So four months down the line, they've had to have numerous price reductions and they're still not got their house sold and they've still got problems. So they decided to relent and they agreed with, the, with my seller, the rest of the family, look, we need to go with Jim. So I took the house over and within a couple of weeks, we had somebody basically knock on the door and make an offer. Out the board being out, out the scene on social media, they drove around to see how that happens. Yeah. Someone saw it on social media or the website and then they drove around it to have a look at it. They never inquired. That's what happens a lot of the times. Yeah, so you better fun. make sure you've got a for sale board at the front. It's very, yeah. very prominent. Everybody can see because this was on the St. Andrews Road. You know, so it was actually, yeah, it was the St. Andrews Road itself, the address. So that's what happened. They walked through the door, they, they, they spoke to the seller because he was doing a wee bit of improvements on it. But he was smart enough to, to remember my advice was don't agree to anything. Just say, look, you've got an estate and take your, I'll take your details. I'll pass it on to Jim. Jim will have a discussion with you. Um, that's what I've got an estate agent for. So he was smart enough to do that. So we had, I have then contacted them. We agreed an offer and he was over the moon with it. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. I said, they have actually said to me, they have a house, to, they've got a house to sell in St. Andrews, but it's got an offer on it already with the estate agent that we took this off of. Right, okay. That then rings alarm bells for me. Okay, because I know I know this estate agent doesn't qualify people. I immediately said to him, okay, so you've got your house an offer on it and you've accepted it. What is the position of your buyer? What do you mean? What's the position of my buyer? I went, well, have they got a house to have they got a house to sell? Have they got a mortgage to arrange? Have they got cash in the bank? And he went, well, I don't know. I went, you've what? You've accepted an offer from somebody. Anybody? You don't you don't understand what the what the circumstances are. Where the oh, but my agent will know that. I says, well, go and phone your agent first because I can't accept an offer from you until I know what the position of your buyer for your property yeah. is. Because then I could be uh, I could be then putting a sold yeah, on right. it, and and everybody else will will no, no will no longer look at it for the, as a result of that. So then they went to um, their estate agent and actually says, what's the position of my buyer? And they didn't know. Wow, <laughs> that's concerning. Do you know? Do you know? That, I took that, yeah, that story, Jim. Because so the, the property that so these were both on with the, the uh, initially were both on with the same agent. So how did yeah. they not marry them up together? Or how did they not marry them up? I know, I know. <laughs> but but the the plot thickens when I get down to this and go down to the nitty gritty. They had a house to sell, and it wasn't even on the market yet, and they had accepted an offer from that person it doesn't even have their house on the market and they were trying to make an offer on our house and i went there's no way i'm putting our house under offer or putting a sold on it until you have a, confer a confirmation of selling and your mm -hmm. chain is in the right process because then i'll be taking it off the market and no one else will see it no one else will inquire about it but you we're we're on a whim we've got someone yeah. else in control of your house our house sale now if we let that happen so that was a big no at that point in time so then they put their house on the market, the, the other, the buyer of the buyer that we've got from the yeah. other agent. It was down south. There's <laughs> eyes roll down south, <laughs> gazumping. <laughs> no legal, no legal. I mean, your word isn't your bond when you go into the property market down south, is it? Yeah. Really? Because everybody just pulls out and it's expected yeah. practice and nobody cares. And it's, and it's not like that in Scotland at all. 
So what happened out of that is then they put their house in the market and then they got a buyer for theirs. And they went, right, okay, that's it. They've got a buyer for theirs. And I went, okay, so what's the position of their buyer then? So we understand who, who's the, the person that's going to buy their house is the person that's going to control everything. It's going to be, you're only, you're only as good as the slowest person in the queue. Yeah. Um, that's all it is. So then they went, oh, well, well oh, we don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. You're having a laugh. You don't know the position of that person. What's going on? You should have asked yeah. that. Your agent should have asked that. So we then found out three times down uh, that person has got a flat to sell. Okay, right. Get them to sell their flat. They put their flat in the market. They got an offer. What's the position of that person? Luckily enough, I think they actually understood then and everybody learned from what I was teaching them. Imagine me having to teach all these other estate agents. I know, what I do. Um, teaching them, uh, that person had a mortgage in principle and they had nothing to sell. Great stuff. So they've agreed to that. They've agreed to that. They've agreed to that. They've agreed to that. This will work. We'll agree to the house sale now. And that was two weeks after that offer coming in. So it took two weeks for me to go down and work out with every other estate agent that had nothing to do with me in order to get the house sale to actually be more or less guaranteed for my client. And yet, you know, every other agent, one, two, three, four other agents in that process had no idea what I was doing and what I was talking and about. And I was just going to say, if every agent asked the right questions and knew how to manage their section of the chain, it would run a lot smoother. But I mean, if, you hadn't, asked, if you hadn't asked that question, that would have fell apart very quickly. Of course. Or, or, or everybody would be frustrated wondering what's going on in the dark yeah. completely. Um, that would be, or, or solicitors would get annoyed with each other because they wouldn't give each other answers and they would all yeah. fall out with each other because that's usually what happens at this frustrator. And then they annoy their client and their client goes, oh, put, forget it, put it back on the market. And it yeah. all falls apart for that reason, all because someone didn't have the acumen, the, the commercial reality as well, to understand, to manage the process and understand the critical path and what was involved and get yeah. everybody everybody ticking every box on the way in that in that process overall. And, and that is the naivety of most estate agents. They don't understand how to chain build because they're new to this type of market. That's what it is. They're yeah. very new to this type of market. If you're an estate agent, if you've started in the last five or six years, you have no idea what chain building is about and how to do it because you've yeah. got no experience because it's never really been required for all that time, especially in a boom market. You were just putting houses on. Even my cat could have sold the house, yeah. you know, at that point in time um, in the last three years from then. Uh, and and the and the from the 2020 2021 2022 you know uh, you know that your your cockroach and your hoose could have sold the could have sold the property i think in times <laughs> when obviously when it's not a boom market and and then that's when good agents really come into their own and that's when you'll see who the good agents are because they're able to they, they demonstrate their ability in a market where it's not just stick it on right move it will sell itself you know that when you've got agents that do it out with those periods and are good at it, that's when you know they're a good agent. You'd be surprised how many people have the naivety to actually think that, though. Stick it on right move in Zoopla and Prime Location and, <laughs> and hope for the best. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> it might sell. No, you should be asking, what's your marketing strategy? Yeah. You know, how are you going to do it? I mean, stick it on right move, Prime Location and Zoopla is, a, is an advertising strategy. It's not a marketing strategy. No. Marketing strategy is what are you selling to the client? Is it lifestyle or is it the house? Yeah. And how are you going to do that? And how, how are you, you going, going to get, get that message across? How are, you going to, yeah. how are you going to showcase that? How are you going to pitch it? And how are you going to get it in front of them? Yeah. 
I think I think um, what we'll have to do then after that then it's 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 well let me just finish off with that I mean getting these questions answered will help you identify this you know whether it's a strong or secure offer and the time scale actually fits you overall but just like a jigsaw all pieces need to be in place for the puzzle to be complete yes, we'll have to expect unexpected don't we yeah yeah I think always be prepared to expect unexpected. Uh, if you've had a penny, if I had a penny for every sale that had a hitch, um, we'd have a, a huge bottle to store them in. I mean, there's yeah. always something that comes up. There's a lot of bumps in the road that could come from maybe your, your home report and survey results, your mortgage your valuations, and the conveyancing process always has bumps in it sometimes. I mean, it's not always plain sailing. Um, and they can't harm to any home. And like you say, Jim, that chain process, if it's not managed properly, can really it could fall apart quickly. Um, but that doesn't automatically mean that it's the end of your move. Do you know what I mean? If you've got mm -hmm. somebody in place managing that correctly yeah. and who can deal with these kinds of situations properly and effectively, like you just demonstrated there, it, it doesn't mean things have to fall apart. I think instructing the solicitor straight away is probably the most important thing. It's the first thing I did when I started all these years mm -hmm. ago in about 2006. I just went to the solicitors and I said, what do you need us to do in the very beginning in order for you to proceed a lot quicker? Because I realised that their, their um, convincing process was actually holding up sales and it wasn't going as fast as it should be or as efficient as it should be. So I said, what do you need me to do? And I remember it was Tom McCaskill, you know, yeah, Ennis Johnson. Tom, Tom, Tom actually said to me, he said, you know, if you can tell us off the bat straight away as soon as you list a property that you've got it you've got it on the market for sale we can order the titles and get the folder opened and get everything prepared well in advance for for when that sale comes through he says you wouldn't believe the amount of estate agents that just appear on my doorstep at last minute once they've sold it and say i've got an offer right can we get this through as quick as possible and he's yeah. and he's like well i've got to i've got to order the title i've got to inspect the title I've got to then send it to the buyer solicitor. They've got to inspect the title. They've then got to send it to the respective buyers and sellers equally. So they can inspect the title and they can say, yeah, this is definitely what we're selling. And we we'll have to get agreement from all these different parties. So that could all be done well before the sale was actually where, where we actually accepted an offer. Yeah. And that's why I identified that in the very beginning. So, yeah, definitely instruct a solicitor as soon as your home goes on the market. It can re and it can reveal and resolve a, a lot of potential legal issues. The other one I point I touched on uh, uh, briefly when I was talking was any adjustments you've made to your house. Now, if you've been in your house for about thirty years, if you've made any adjustments like put a shower room in one of your bedrooms because the bedroom is massive and you put a shower room in the corner, nobody's going to bat an eyelid if you say, "Well, it, you know, it was like that when I got it." But if it's pretty obvious you've done something recently in the last uh, three or four years, maybe in ten or fifteen years, uh, and it's going to be pretty obvious. Um, then you're going to have to get a, a retrospective planning or a letter of comfort from the local yeah. authority to say that that's okay to still have that adju that adjustment. If you don't do that in advance, what's going to happen is it will hit the buyer solicitor. And remember, they are representing their buyer. They're yeah. not remotely interested in you as a seller. They're representing their buyer and their legal interests. They'll immediately advise them that you can't go any further until we get some sort of uh, legal clarification that this adaptation that they've done in this house is legally compliant with the building regulations and planning regulations potentially as well depending on if it's an exterior of the property imagine you know because i've had where was it mulberry crescent and methyl remember that one where the guy had built a full extension 
and had well, it, I think, it, yeah, I remember this one. years and years ago and it came to us through an asset management company and basically what was a, what could have been valued about 70,000 ended up selling for 30,000 because he hadn't got any building control um, sign offs or anything and through the fair, process extension too. It was quite so uh, yeah so essentially you would have to knock down the extension in order for it to be legal compliant back to what it was before and all mm. that value that was added to the property would have been a loss so it went for thirty thousand pound with that extension when it should have been 70. that's mm. how much it was lost in the value because all these the T's weren't crossed and the I's weren't dotted throughout the process, the legal process. So this is where this all can be identified beforehand. We had another one, Bo Butts and Crail, remember? The upstairs, yeah. the guy had put a, a stairway and converted the whole upstairs without any permission or anything, building wants or planning permission from anybody at all. Literally rendering the property almost worthless at that point in time. Yeah. And we had a buyer an astronomical figure. I remember I think we put on for 320,000 and we got an offer at 360,000 and it eventually sold for 260 grand. Because of, because of the, because the, the person, yeah. Because he couldn't get retrospective planning for all the adjustments he had done. It, it was something crazy like that. He had lost almost a hundred thousand pounds in the potential end result because he hadn't gone through the proper processes for the planning and the building wants. And you couldn't retrospectively do it because they were all sealed in. And you'd have to cut everything apart in order to prove it. And I'm talking about things like, you know, is the is the floor upstairs at the proper strength to support any any people being on there or any other adaptations on top of there as well? You know, these are all things that everybody thinks I can just move up into my attic because there's plenty of space. No, the floor has to be strong enough to be able to yeah. take another another level of living on it. You that's imagine feeling if you put a bathroom upstairs. Well, a bath and how much how much weight that puts on if you fill the bath it'll, it'll be like it'll be like the money pit remember when tom hanks when they fill the bath and it falls right through the it floor through the ceiling yeah well, through the floor. <laughs> and he just goes ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! and he's and it's like he has to laugh because he can't he can't agree i remember that that's brilliant the money pit yeah, definitely. Yeah. You have to have these alterations all signed off. So it's important to do that. As you said, the bumps and the results can come from the surveys. And that's a good indicator of, of yeah. things that might actually cause problems. Another one in here is, uh, for example, is this is the Cartiel. In older Victorian properties, you get the woodworm. Now, the woodworm is yeah. not going to go away. So even though it's sprayed and all the all the wood wood woodworm is actually killed off, the holes are still there. So when a surveyor goes up to do your home report, every single time you'll see a qualification on the home report which says there's evidence of wood borer infestation. While we don't think it's active, please make sure you've got the necessary warranties and guarantees in place in order to make sure it's all it's all um, inactive and it has been addressed and has been dealt with. And possibly the other one is another one, which is a catchy all, is the current uh, electrics. The electrics is always one. It always comes up. If you've not got a legally compliant yeah. fuse box or, or mains uh, uh, tripper box, which is an uh, RCD, RCD protected RCD. one. Yeah, if you've got an RCD, if you've yeah. not got an RCD protected uh, one in it, every single time you're going to, it's going to say at some point in time that the while the electricity is not legally compliant, it's still it's still potentially usable. And um, that's all it says. Yeah. But it puts some people off because they think I've got to rewire my whole house. There is where I sell the stage and it comes into, into place here. 
when they when as soon as you hear I've got to reward that whole house, a skilled estate agent should know straight away it's like, no, it's not. It's not. And you have to have evidence to back that up. It's why that is the case. Another one is when you build an extension, you usually get the qualification of it's mixed vintage wiring. Now that makes it sound really bad, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but, and a rewire but, on a property. I, well, we, we know, Jim, how much it costs to rewire a property. Well, especially especially if you walk into a property and it's mint condition, and then you get a qualification like that about the electrics, and then it's like, wait a minute, I've got to rip all these walls apart and I've got to start again. Yeah. So so what I've got just now, what's your, what I really want, I'm just going to have to replicate all over again. It's going to cost my fortune to do. It's not just the rewire, it's everything else that comes with it. Yeah, it does definitely run into thousands, and it's not always necessary. So, so this is why it's important to make sure that you give your solicitor a lot of advance notice, and you also speak to your estate agent and be right up front about the position of your property yeah. and any adaptations you've made over the years, so they can give you the proper advice, so things don't trip up at the last minute and the sale falls through. I've got a funny feeling that's how a lot of English sales fall through more than Scotland, because there's not yeah. the qualification process isn't as rigorous. Yeah, I mean, it's so different south, uh, down south than it is to here. Like you were saying, Jim, obviously, we've got things like conclusion emissives and, and that as well. So, But in England, people could just get to the last minute, walk away. There's not that that process that solicitors cut uh, their due diligence in terms of the, the whole process of qualifying things as yeah. they go and being prepared for the sale to go through. It's totally different. So it is getting, it is getting the timeframes confirmed for every link in the chain. And your yep. sales agreed um, along with any, you know, anybody is booking holidays as well. That's another one as well. Somebody, somebody could be on holiday when you're meant to be concluding. And the bishop yeah. might not realise that, and it might affect the moving day. Um, so, and and can avoid that can avoid uh, uh, fraught conversations as you approach the, ex the exchange in the contracts and concluded missives. Yeah. It's also worth remembering, despite the ups and downs, uh, you know things generally work out, don't they? Yeah, I mean, nine times out of ten they will, um, as long as you've got the right approach to resolve any issues that you come against, come up against. Yeah, absolutely. Now, perfect. Okay, so final words on this, Richard. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, like we say, Jim, I think it's your agent needs to really be knowledgeable about what they're doing. And I think if it's like, like I say, that initial conversation with your agent, they should be really confident and they should lead the way. They should set an agenda right for the get go, have a strategic plan and be able to answer your questions when you challenge them about right, what's going to happen in four weeks if we're still on the market or, do you know, what, what are we going to do? What's your marketing strategy to get this off the ground? And you should yeah. be able to answer all that straight off. And if not, then I think um, you've got you've got questions to ask your agent and they should be answered correctly. Definitely good advice. I mean, you know, by following what we've just said about these tips and maximise the potential for the for the for the less stress amount of possible and and the time that they put on your home in the market, then 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 it's going to be a pretty good start for a lot of people. Yeah. If you you know, and if you're making plans to move and you're thinking about selling your property in five and you're beginning your search for an estate agent, begin extremely early. Don't yeah. leave it to the last minute. Get somebody in to talk to them. Now, if you have to get them in twice because you're just no sure, if you have to answer questions later on, then it gives you a lot of time to do that. Plan. If yeah. you fail to plan, you plan to Perfect. fail. Time and planning is so important. Yeah. 
Okay, that's us. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Richard. I really appreciate it. If anybody's catching up on the podcast or they're watching the rerun of this, um, please feel free to reach out to us if you want. Uh, You can message us direct on the post, call anyone in our offices, or you can email us on info at fiveproperties.co.uk. But there is a valuation and a contact link on this post itself overall. Until next time, guys, um, it's thanks from us, and I'll see you for the Sunday night update. Bye-bye for now. See you later.